Right. So church, how many of you have experienced all four seasons in a day in our city? You know, that's a saying, like we experience all four seasons. You know, you wake up in the morning and um, maybe it's a little bit chilly in the beginning, but then it gets like really hot. Then the wind picks up in the afternoon and starts getting chilly and by the evening it's just raining. Cats and dogs, as the saying goes, right? Um, you know, our spiritual walk is similar. And especially the, the history of God's people, you will see if, as you read through the scriptures, many seasons. There are times when, you know, Israel and, and the early church are just going through incredible times of joy and growth and faithfulness. And then they would go through tough times where God's people would start doubting, they'd lose their joy, uh, they'd compromise. And often at times like that, God, speaking through his prophets and through the Psalms, we read, a, read through the Psalms that this happened often, he would call his people to a time of lament. Um, and, you know, if I look back at my sort of Christian walk, I remember times of incredible joy, just exhilaration. Um, and often within a short period of time, you know, things would happen. Uh, we'd lose loved ones. Um, and, you know, I think back like last week or the week before, I was so fired up, I was so faithful, but man, you know, now I'm hurting. Um, you know, I, I feel a, a sense of great loss. And the Christian walk is like that because we are God's people. It's always been like that and it's always going to be like that. Um, but as a church, we're in a season at the moment of, of sadness. Um, you know, many people's faith has dropped. Uh, we feel lost. We're hurting uh, individually and I think as a, as a community. So we're continuing the theme today. Thanks, Kate. Uh, we are this year going to be focused on community. Uh, it's called Life Together. You know, the Spirit works and Nolene and I prayed and we got some input from some of you. Um, that it's time to actually have a communal teaching on lament. It's something that we as a church movement, I think, and as a church haven't really embraced. Um, so we thought, you know, as part of the series, it fits very much into being God's community. God's community is not always happy, right? <laughs> if you come across a church that is always happy, there's something wrong. Because God doesn't promise us that. And part of just being fully human again is to feel the full uh, breadth and depth of emotions individually and, and communally. But God always provides a way out, right? And uh, one of the ways that we deal with uh, the kind of times of the, the, the autumn or the winter that we're going through at the moment is to pull together and lament. Amen. So I'm super proud of my wife <laughs> who has studied this topic out. And she is better prepared than I am to teach today. So she's going to lead us through a lesson on what, what is biblical lament. And then that's going to lead us into a time of, of practicing it. Now, I'm sure it's not going to be a once-off. I think the lessons we learned today we can do individually. Um, we can write Psalms of Lament. Nolene will get into all of that. But this is the start of, um, I'm sure, something that we will do more frequently. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to hand over to Nolene. Uh, let's encourage her. I think you're going to play a video. Yeah, so um, what I think is really cool 
is that you can find a lot of songs which are laments. And um, I feel like just by listening to a song, you can actually learn a lot about lament. So before I start speaking, I'm actually going to let you guys listen to um, a song by Rent Collective. And it really is a beautiful psalm. A bit, it's not a Well, it is like a psalm. I think it's their, like their own psalm they wrote. But um, you can listen to the words and try and take note even of what are the different parts that you hear to the song. Um, if you want to, you can close your eyes. Otherwise, the words are going to be up there so that you can actually see the words as well. Okay. If you know the song, sing along.
Um, so yeah, we, we're going to be really just digging into a subject which maybe some of us find uncomfortable, but it's in the Bible, um, it's God's Word, and um, I think there are four things that I'm going to mo- mostly speak about today. Firstly, just looking at what is, what is lament, um, why should we lament, when should we lament, And then, how do we actually lament? So I think, you know, um, obviously you got the gist from what Neil was saying, is that um, lament comes into play when we're going through a tough time. Um, And I don't know if you guys remember, those of you who were around, I think most of you were around last year, when we did the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There was one specific... um, Um, chapter that we actually covered which was called Enlarging Your Soul Through Grief and Loss and that's really what lament is so I think God in a a way is just taking us deeper into discovering how he uses these times of incredible grief of loss, of sorrow to enlarge our souls And, you know, there are many ways that we experience um, grief and loss. It's not just through, you know, we know Manza's just lost her mom. That's a time of incredible grief and loss. Many of us have experienced loss of people we love. But there's also other losses. You know, sometimes people, they, they lose a job or relationships break down. They lose relationships. Often they're just disappointments in life, things that we expected to happen that just never happen, or the unmet expectations, things we really longed for and were hoping for, and they just never happen. These unmet longings that we experience. And I think every one of us sitting here this, this morning, whether you're young or whether you're older, I won't say old, none of us are old, <laughs> we can all identify with this. 
all of us experience grief and loss. And it's an ongoing part of simply being human, of being a part of this world. And often we try to avoid experiencing and feeling the depth of the pain. This is stuff that we covered in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, how often we just numb ourselves because we don't want to feel. Often we get involved in so many things just to keep busy. We throw ourselves into our work or we just consume media, series, TV, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, just so we don't But is that what God wants? I believe based on scripture that God wants a different path for us. He doesn't want us to ignore our suffering. God does not ignore suffering. In the scriptures it's very, very clear. But what is lament? If you had to go and look up the dictionary definition... It's a good definition. It says, it's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. The thing about biblical lament is, it provides us with a vocabulary, words that we can use, and it provides us with a model, some sort of structure. You saw that even in that song, There was some sort of structure. There was some sort of flow. There were elements to it. And so, biblical lament gives us a way for us to speak to God, to talk to Him about deep pain we are experiencing. And God is amazing because He's given us, in His Word, a way for us to process grief individually in our own space in our own lives but also corporately together as a family why should we lament obviously we see that it's unhealthy to bottle things up anyone a bottler here I've tended to be a bottler in my life, but I've, I've learned that that is so unhealthy, I don't bottle anymore. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> we all have our natural way. Okay. Do you think God wants you to bottle? Hey? Yes. <laughs> Are you reading about your Bible? My God in the Bible, I don't think he wants us. He knows. Firstly, that it's unhealthy. Okay. He's given us a way for us. Um, We are in a series on community. And I think, like Neil said, this community's been through a tough time. We've actually been through many tough times. Those of you who've been around for as long as I have, over 30 years, <laughs> Nats is up there and Layla and Monica's flowed in and out over the years as she's moved. <laughs> but we know Neil, Lavuyo, 
these different really tough times we've been through as a community. Nothing stays the same. You just feel like you're on a mountaintop and then you suddenly are in a valley, as Neil said. From one week to the next, it can change. But, you know, um, Jarette last week, I thought his message was awesome. Didn't you guys think it was an awesome message? Really just helping us as well for, for this year ahead of what is God wanting to do in our midst with this community? You know, and he spoke about how the Spirit builds a solid foundation, which is Jesus, stone by stone, and he wants us to be a holy dwelling place for him, for the Spirit to dwell amongst us. And we know the Spirit is here. Bazi invited the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't even need an invitation. When his people are together, he's present. But he wants to build us. And lament is an amazing gift that God has given us to unite us in the spirit of grieving together. Those things that hurt us. We do it on our own, but we also do it together. We don't want to ignore. And I do think at times, as a community, we have numbed ourselves. We've, we've wanted to ignore the hurts and the struggles and the, the issues because it's uncomfortable and it's painful and it's raw and it hits a nerve. But for us to be this community that the Spirit is building, we, we can't do that. We need to bring out those things that are causing pain, that is a thorn, but we need to do it with the help of God's Spirit. There's a quote from a, a guy who wrote an amazing book on lament. And this is what he said. Lament is more than a biblical version of the stages of grief. Most of us know them. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance. He says, it invites God's people on a journey as they turn to God, lay out their complaints, ask for help, and choose to trust. Embracing the ongoing, often daily, process of lament requires that we walk by faith. Lament is more than something that comes out of you it is part of the process happening to you. Do you hear that? Okay. Lament is more than something that comes out of you, those words and that expression. It is part of a process that is happening to you. You see, lament leads to transformation. And lament is essential for the Christian life. Hebrews 4 verse 16. You guys know the scripture really well. But I want us to read it in light of lamenting. Let us then approach God's throne of grace 
with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In lament, we approach God's throne. And it's a throne of grace. And there we find mercy. We find grace in our time of deepest need. And there, God molds us. He changes us. He transforms us. He builds us into this community where his spirit dwells. Where, he, where stone by stone, he's building us. When do we lament? I want to read another quote by this guy. He's got a very strange name. His surname is like Frugop, but it's actually Dutch, so I think it's Frugop. <laughs> Mark Frugop is his name. He says, Too many Christians either are afraid or refuse to talk to God about these struggles, whether because of shame, a fear of rejection, anxiety, or a concern of being irreverent. Maybe because they think that what they're going to voice is too horrible, too ugly, too... Can Jesus even hear these things that are in my heart? A concern of being irreverent. Pain can give rise to a deadly prayerlessness. Pain can give rise to a deadly prayerlessness where you just feel that you're in this vacuum and you can't pray. Lament cracks the door open to talk to God again, even if it's messy. So when do we lament? Whenever we feel that we need to process pain. It's as simple as that. It makes it possible for us to express our deepest emotions honestly, without becoming self-centered, without it becoming a woe is me, it's all about me, you know, a pity party. Lament helps us not to do that, where we can express ourselves honestly and we don't remain stuck. We don't remain stuck. You see, when we, when we lament, we lift our eyes to God. And again, Mark, this guy, says, and I love this because I think it's so fully expressed in that um, song that we listen to, our grief-filled prayers of pain while seeking God are among the deepest expressions of God-centered worship. We worship God in our lament. I also believe, just kind of as a side to this as well, when we lament as a community and when we are expressing ourselves honestly, it gives us an opportunity to connect with one another, to, to be united with one another. Now, we know the scriptures in Corinthians when it says, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. We also know the scriptures that speak about us carrying one another's burdens. 
And I believe that lament gives us opportunity to do that. When we lament and we express ourselves, we can lift each other's hearts, we can lift our hearts, each other's hearts and one another up to God in prayer before God. And we do that as a community because we are the ones who are the stones to this building that God is constructing, that the Spirit is putting together stone by stone where he dwells, he lives. Now, as Neil said, we have not explored this as a community much. To our shame. To our shame. And I'm sorry we haven't, guys, because it is such an important part of what we do. I think even back to our cultural conversations, that was a perfect time for us to lament together for the brokenness of our world and our society. So, this is a journey we're going to take together. And there's not an end to this journey. Guys, this is a continuous journey because there are always going to be things that God is going to show us that we need to grieve, that we need to lament about, and that we need to bring to Him. Sitting here, you may not feel you have anything to lament about right now. And that's okay. That's all right. It may be, consider this, that that part of you, you've actually shut down. You've shut it down because it's too uncomfortable for you. Do you feel uncomfortable talking about the word lament or about grieving? I think it's hard for all of us. And that's okay. But this lamenting needs to become a part of our DNA as a family. The Holy Spirit is going to be with us. He's going to guide us. And there's no pressure to get there quickly. It's a journey. We're going to learn. We're going to learn from each other. We're going to learn from God. We're going to learn from the Bible. And it's going to be awesome. So how to lament. This is really the important part. Okay. Who of you have had babies? Many of you have had babies. Okay. Uh, okay, I, I know some of you may have had Caesars. Some of you maybe had um, had natural birth. Can you remember when your baby came out into this world? What did your baby do? Anyone want to demonstrate? Anyone want? Hey, come on, who wants to demonstrate? There we go, Bazi. I've got, a, I've got a photo, guys, of Dean just after he was born. You must see the look of shock on his face. You know what? I believe we come out of the womb lamenting. It's like, oh, what is this? <laughs> hasn't, hasn't worn off yet. Dean's still traumatized. <laughs> but why does a baby scream like that? Why does a baby yell? Besides the fact that it needs to get its lungs working. But I, 
don't think God needed to make the kid yell to the extent where, okay, the mother's really happy because you know that the baby's alive and the baby's well and has always say healthy pair of lungs. Hey? We, yeah, as Miss Cindy says, you slap that baby on the back. If they, it's like give them some pain if they're not doing the right thing. Okay. But here's the thing. I believe that that baby is grieving the loss of the comfort, the warmth, the security that they experienced in the wound. The poof, 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 poof of the mother's heartbeat. Suddenly, they're surrounded by lights. The heartbeat is gone. It's cold. It's unpleasant. It's uncomfortable. And they are lamenting. Okay, but guys, we all started life that way. Okay. But here's the thing again. What do they normally do to that baby then? Swaddle the baby, place the baby on the mother's chest. Do you remember that moment, moms? And maybe even the baby starts suckling. I could never get that right. (laughs) But what does the baby do? Quietens down. Why? It feels secure. It feels comforted. It feels nurtured. This is a beautiful picture of what happens when we lament. When we honestly grieve before God. We are like those babies. We are suffering, we are helpless, we are desperate. And we, as we cry out in our pain to God, in our confusion, we find trust, security and comfort in God's arms on his bosom, on his chest, on his lap. So lament is this tension that exists between our crying and our grief over the brokenness and the sin of this world and how that impacts on every one of us and on us finding joy in the arms of our God who comforts us and who nurtures us. Our caring Heavenly Father. So there's a tension and lament is the place that is, brings us from the one space to the other space. You see, lament doesn't change our situation. It changes us. It changes us inwardly. It transforms us. As Neil mentioned, many psalms are lament psalms. On that page he sent out, there's a whole bunch. Dig into them. Learn about lament from these authors who we have. There are many, many psalms are individual psalms, but they're also corporate psalms. And we can use these as a guide for our own personal lament. Prophets. Many prophets lamented. Okay, and we're going to look at one such prophet, and his name is Habakkuk. 
Now, Habakkuk lived in around 600 BC, and it was a time of real um, kind of darkness and desperation in Judah. So the northern kingdom had already been conquered by the Assyrians. And for the southern kingdom, there was this threat of the Babylonians invading them. Very distressing times to live in. Can you imagine living with that? Besides the fact that the, 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 um, the country itself, the people themselves were not doing well spiritually. And Habakkuk was in deep distress. He was grieving. And so we have this amazing book, Habakkuk, where we can learn about how to lament and we, we can see the four different elements that kind of create the structure for lament. Okay, now I'm actually going to read from the same version that Jurette used, the voice. So you won't find it in your Bible unless you have the voice, which you can get. I did see it's around. Um, or else, you know, you can just listen because it's very powerful words. So what we see is the first thing we see in this, this um Lament, Book of Lament, is where Habakkuk turns to God. And that's the first element. Approaching God, the only one who can help. No one else is going to help Habakkuk. They're in a bad space. He can't control the Babylonians. He can't control the people. He's desperate. Okay, and he turns to God. In Habakkuk 1... This is what he says. How long must I cry, O eternal one, and get no answer from you? Even when I yell to you, violence is all around. You do nothing to save those in distress. Why do you force me to see these atrocities? Why do you make me watch such wickedness, disaster and violence, conflict and controversy are raging all around me? Your law is powerless to stop this. Injustice prevails. The depraved surround the innocent and justice is perverted. We can sense his distress, his helplessness and his suffering. We then see how Habakkuk starts, he actually starts complaining already, but how he really starts complaining bitterly to God. And this is the second element, where we really take to God whatever it is, our complaint. God can handle it. In Habakkuk 1 verse 12, he says, Have you not existed from ancient times, O eternal one, my holy God? Surely you do not plan for us to die? You, O eternal one, have made Babylonia your tool for judgment. You, O rock, have established that king is your instrument of correction. Your eyes are too pure to even look at evil. You cannot turn your face towards injustice. So why do you stand by and watch those who act treacherously? Why do you say and do nothing when the wicked swallows up one who is more in the right than he is? Habakkuk was saying, we're not as bad as the Babylonians. How can you just stand by and do nothing? Why aren't you stepping in? 
Habakkuk is brutally honest with God about what's in his heart. He questions him. He says what he thinks. He doesn't censor his words. He doesn't sanitize his words. But we can see that he's clearly looking to God for help. Thirdly, the third element. Habakkuk then begins waiting expectantly for God. He tells God that he believes that he will listen and he believes that he will answer. In Habakkuk 2 verse 1, he says, I will take my place at the watchtower. I will stand at my post and watch. I will watch and see what he says to me. I need to think about how I should respond to him when he gets back to me with his answer. You know what? Habakkuk did hear from God. If you've read it, you'll know that it was not what he would have liked to hear. And that's the truth of this life we're in. We may not like to hear what God says to us, but God will always speak truth. He will always speak truth. God let Habakkuk know that Babylon was going to invade Judah, that they would be conquered, but he also let him know that God would deal with Babylon, but it would be in his own time. I think what is such an incredible example to us about Habakkuk is that even in his shock and devastation of hearing that news from God, he makes a choice to trust God. And that's the fourth element, choosing to trust God in that time of tension. In Habakkuk 3 verse 2, we hear his prayer. He says, I have heard the reports about you and I am in awe when I consider all you have done. O Eternal One, revive your work in our lifetime. Reveal it among us in your times as you unleash your wrath. Remember your compassion. And then in verse 17, this famous passage. Even if the fig tree does not blossom and there are no grapes on the vine, vines, if the olive trees fail to bear, give fruit and the fields produce no food, if the flocks die far from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls, then I will still rejoice in the eternal. I will rejoice in the God who saves me. The eternal Lord is my strength. He has made my feet like the feet of a deer. He allows me to walk on the high places. Habakkuk finds incredible comfort in considering all that God has done and trusting in him, the only one who can save him and strengthen him. Again, going back to the baby, we can see how Habakkuk starts off like this kicking, flailing baby, yelling out to God in this the space of desperation and pain and suffering and how he moves into that space 
of being comforted by God, finding rest in Him, finding strength in Him, and I dare say even victory in God. We need to learn from Habakkuk. We need to learn this art of lamenting that is so important for our Christian walk. God does not want us to to stay stuck. God wants us to be a people who can learn and grow through our suffering and through our pain, as hard as it is. We do this alone at times, and we do it together. There is no perfect format. There is no specific time frame for getting from that place of desperation and darkness to that place of joy. We don't know how long it took Habakkuk. You know, we can sit and read his poem or his lament in a very short while. So there is no time frame. You know, we don't expect people to get to that place of joy, but I think if you keep at it, God will respond. God will hear and God will comfort. In Psalm 18, verse 17 and 18, it says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I don't know about you guys, but I know for myself, I often lament the state of our world. I lament the brokenness that I see around me, the suffering that I see around me, um, the wars. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think just when we open our eyes to that, we all can lament. I also, though, have been experiencing real lament for the church, for Jesus' bride, for the church at large, because there's still so much division. There's so much struggle. There's so much, you know, these things pop out all the time and we see the brokenness and we see the sin within God's church. And we are part of that. We have sinned. I dare say I have sinned within this fellowship in not always responding to what the Holy Spirit is prompting me with. And I think Jarette made the point last week that we are not meant to be passive as people meeting together like this. And that has been something that has been so on my heart recently is somehow we created a space for people to become passive. And I want to say I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. 
because I don't see that in the Bible. In the Bible, I see a community where everybody has the spirit and everybody has a space with their gifts, with their talents, with the spirit prompting them to be part of this time where we come together. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, whether it's a scripture, whether it's a prayer, whether it's something that convicts you, whether it's something that you believe needs to be brought up to the attention of those who can help to drive it forward, we need that, guys. God's church needs that. The Spirit rests and is on every one of us. And I think that's part of my my lament is that we've become passive. And I'm thinking of in Peter, I think it's Peter where he says, wake up, you sleepers. I think sometimes we we fall asleep spiritually. We just become dulled and numbed. And I think God wants to do something. Levoyo said it. God wants to do something. He wants us to wake up. The Spirit wants to wake us up so that we can process whatever it is that we are still carrying. Whether it's pre-COVID, whether it's COVID, whether it's stuff, whatever it is, we want to create a space for us to speak to God and speak to one another so that we can be united, so that the Spirit can build us, so that the Spirit can indwell us powerfully, so that we can be a space where God fills us. And it's not that we either sad and grieving or we joyful. It's both. God loves paradoxes. Where it's not one or the other. You know, sometimes we're grieving personal things and we come into the space and we share it so that we can grieve with each other. But sometimes we share, we, we're carrying things because of the, the, the church family or ways that we see things or ways that we experience things. And we need to be able to bring those to the family as well. And I think this is so important for us. We, going into the Lord's Supper now, and Jesus was a prophet. He was more than a prophet though. He was Messiah. He's our King. And Jesus lamented. Jesus lamented. I'm going to read Matthew 23, verse 37 and 38. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned and desolate. Jesus knew he was going to the cross. He knew his body was going to be broken. His blood was going to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. But here we see Jesus lamenting over the stubbornness of his people, the refusal of his people to recognize the time of God's salvation. I believe he was weeping, weeping over the brokenness, over the sin in the world that he experienced every moment that he walked on the earth. And he was broken by the fact that he knew he had the answer and yet people were rejecting him. We're in good company when we we lament over the brokenness of the world. We need to. We should lament on an ongoing way because of the state of the world. Jesus did. I think it was always an underlying part of who he was because he knew what he was there for. It's a time for us to connect with Jesus' grief over the sin of the world. But it's also a time for us to connect with our own sin. It's a time for us to examine our own hearts. Anything in our hearts which the Holy Spirit is highlighting for you that you need to think about, that you need to bring before Him, that you need to confess and that you need to repent of. The Holy Spirit does that for us. It's one of the reasons we have the Spirit. He's our paraclete. He comes alongside us to help us in our sin, to help us to remember, to help us to confess, to help us to repent, to help us find times of refreshing So, lament is even a part of that. We get to grieve our sin. We get to grieve how we've placed Jesus on the cross, how we've been responsible, how I've been responsible for his blood being being shed for the suffering that he went through. But it's also a time for great joy, great celebration, because of the grace of God. Because that's why Jesus came. We approach the throne of grace with confidence. We find mercy there. We find grace there in our time of need. I'm going to play another song. Let's hope it works properly. And sit and listen to it. And then you can... Go and take the Lord's Supper in your own time 
If there's anyone you want to speak to, if you have, there's anyone you want to pray for you, please let's start doing that. Jurette spoke about that. You know, sometimes we, we just need someone to pray for us. We just need someone to know what we're going through. And even be sensitive to the spirit where he's maybe prompting you to go to someone and to just pray for them. Or even just sitting where you are quietly. If he puts someone on your heart who you think you need to pray for, sit quietly where you are and pray for them. Let's pray for each other. Prayer is going to be the foundation of our life as a church. Jesus is the foundation. But prayer is so important, okay? We can do nothing without God. Thank you. 